Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Uh, Been with us for quite some time here. Loves the Lord, loves his family, loves Star Wars. Ask him all your questions. I'm sure he'll integrate it somehow. And this is the only time that I'm taller than him. So, Nate Garrett, everybody. Thank you for that heartfelt walk. He's backstage like, what can I say about you? I was like, there's nothing. I was like trying to make this list. What have you done? Nothing. Anyway, so, yeah, so I've been in youth ministry for 20 years. I've been married for 20 years. So we started that at the same time because we thought being in ministry would be good for um, couples therapy or something. I don't know. Uh, I was like, I can officially do our own therapy now between the two of us. How are you feeling? Anyway, so um, I have three kids. My oldest son is here. Luke, stand up real quick. He's the, stand up. He's the tall guy who looks like me without a beard. He's blonder than I am because I'm not blonde. And uh, then I've got, his name's Luke. And my daughter's 14. Her name is Leah. Yeah, that was on purpose. And then we have an 18-month-old boy named Ezra. And I'll show you some pictures of him tomorrow. I don't have pictures of any of my other kids with me, but he's, he's 18 months, so you just do that. So I, I, we'll talk about his story a little bit. He's adopted, <clears throat> and uh, that happened over the pandemic, so I'll be sharing some of that um, tomorrow with you guys. Um, so I am kind of a, a Star Wars guy. So uh, I had a kid walk up to me recently who had been watching The Chosen, if you've seen that, and they said, oh are you doing your hair and beard like that to look like Jesus? And I was like, no, but that was a good idea. I was kind of going for like a, a Jedi. So, um, <clears throat> cause I cosplay and go to this conventions with all the other nerds. And, uh, <clears throat> I know some of you are like, you're like, I don't even know if I can listen to this guy now. He's going to be like, may the force be with you. <laughs> Live long. And I'm just kidding. That's a different thing. So I'm not going to do that. I promise. Star Wars is mainstream now. We're, we can, we're not nerds anymore. We can talk and walk around in public. All right. Um, so this, this topic, Kingdom Tapestry, is really near and dear to my heart. When I saw them, when well, I saw them, when I opened the email that said, because we get this like, it's like opening a Christmas present. Once a year, the, the RVR fairy comes and, and that's not Christmas, is it? So it's like a tooth thing. Anyway, so like once a year I get this email and it's like, here's the theme. And they've come up with this and they've prayed about it and everything. And then like, I have to then come up with messages to go along with this. And it's just, it's kind of, weird for a pastor, like how many of you guys are youth pastors in here or youth directors at your church and you speak on a regular basis or small group leaders that have to come up with your own material because the youth pastor has other things to do. Okay. So, um, yeah, so some of you guys do that. It's, it's a lot of times you're seeking God on that unless you have a curriculum. If you have a curriculum, you're like, Oh, I really want to talk about this, but there's a curriculum, you know? And then it, sometimes it lines up anyway. This is kind of like that a lot of times where I'm like, Oh, I really, I'm going through a season of this. And then I have to seek God on the, on the particular theme and see where God is going to help me come up with that. But this one was like right there. And I think it's because we've come off of this whole time in society where we argue about everything where we have like um, protests and people just saying stuff on social media and all this stuff. And I am not gonna share with you any of my opinions on any of that stuff for the past two years, even if you walk up and ask, what do you think about such and such? I'd be like, I try not to. Um, because there is so much more that unites us than divide us, divides us. And our enemy wants us divided, distracted, 
Satan roams like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you know anything about lions outside of the Lion King, um, they look for the weakest, the oldest, the, the one that's limping, and they wait till all of their, their strong friends are passing. The one who lags behind and is not with its support group gets picked off and picked clean. Right? I mean, they, they, they eat that thing, right? Uh, we need each other. We need each other um, across the aisles politically. We need each other uh, across the aisles denominationally. We need each other across the aisles in our own denominations, because sometimes we like to fight there too. And sometimes in our own church, we need to be like, hey, if we go to church together, let's be friends now. All right? So like, we need the kingdom tapestry. We need this sense of community that we have. And um, I've, I've served on staff, um, if you include an interim position I did before, in four different denominations. And you might think, well, they're probably similar denominations. Oh, oh no. No. On some pretty significant issues, they are stark opposites of each other on some of the things. And uh, you might think, well, what were you doing? Were you a spy for one of them? No, like... Honestly, 95 to 99% of what we believe is the same. And then there's just a little bit we disagree on, and that becomes the forefront of who we are. And I don't understand that. Like, I really, really don't get that. It'd be like a football team when you're on offense or you're on defense, that they act like they're not on the same team at all. They're like, I'm defense, man. I'm a defensive position. Or I'm, I'm on the offensive line. You guys aren't even on the same team. Did you see how we won the game for you because we scored? The defense didn't score once. You know, like, of course they didn't. But uh, they're part of the reasons why the other team didn't score more than you. Like, we are, we are one team. We are one kingdom. And this tapestry idea is a really cool idea. I'm not into tapestries, so I had to do a lot of research on tapestries. Like, I've never done one. And you know what I'm talking about? The big hanging things? I'll, I'm, I've got one with me that I'll, I'll bring out tomorrow. Um, but, like, it's like a big, it's like, looks like it should be on a floor, like a rug, but you're hanging on a wall. And that's, I mean, I'm like downplaying a little bit, but it's art and it takes forever and only skilled people can do it. And I've never done one. So just take that what you will. There's a lot of things to a tapestry, but the biggest thing to a tapestry is the fact that the design in the beginning, if everybody's on the same page that this is what we're trying to come up with at the end, it will actually happen if everybody's working together. If they all have a different idea of what they're doing or every time they switch between the weavers, and somebody else comes in, it's like, oh, so much for the mountain range. Let's go basket of puppies. You know, and they start weaving in stuff. You're like, what is going on here? Like, this is not, this is not going to work. We have to be on the same page. Design is important. Um, design is important in, in, in fabric you hang on the wall. Design is important in buildings that you build. I remember when I was working uh, for a basement waterproofer years and years ago. Um, it wasn't going super well. Like as far as the waterproofing business, we had a drought. Nobody was like, come quick. It was a drought for like a whole summer. Nobody needed anybody to waterproof their basements. And my boss lived in this old Civil War era house in Virginia. They had found like Confederate money in between the cracks in the fireplace and stuff. You know how much that was worth? Nothing. Anyway, so like, it's, it's literally worthless. Anyways, um... So they found all this stuff, and, and he also, on his property, owned an old mill. And I'm going to show you a picture of that old mill here. Um, this is Kelso 
Kelso Mill, I think it's called. The, the street is Kelso Farm Mill. And I don't even know. I'm pointing the laser pointer at myself. I'm like, can you see the dot? See? Sniper's about to take me out. Anyways, I don't know if you can see. Ah, can you see this side of the room? You need me to point here. So that's the mill. Both of those pictures of the mill. And um, so he had this old mill, this Civil War era mill, in this corner over here where you can't see down low. There's actually, and I'll point over here for you guys, this corner over here um, was actually a cornerstone that they placed there to get the whole thing level and make sure that as they were going around there and do this. Now, behind this mill, and you could barely see, and I wish I had a picture of it, but I worked for him when I was 20, and I don't have any more pictures. So, this barn right here, and now it has a lean-to on it that we actually built, but at the time it didn't have a lean-to. There's a barn there. This is basically how they made the barn. They took these posts, kind of like these pillars right here, and they put them down, not in the ground, mind you. They just like held them up, and they got a board that ran across the bottom, and they, they like nailed into the board, and so there was a board all the way around it, like a sandbox, but no foundation whatsoever. And they did this all the way up and all the way up, and the barn probably stood great like that for a long time. But pretty soon, as wind and rain and everything else hit this barn, it started to look like this. It was like the leaning barn of Kelso Mill Farm Road or whatever the name of the road was. If we find better eyes there, I'd tell you exactly what it's called. Patterson Mill and Kelso Farm. Anyways, that's what it was. Okay, right on the corner there. Whew, that was pretty good. P-A-T-T. Anyways. Um, and so if this thing was about to fall over. So my boss, since we didn't have any waterproofing stuff, he put me out there to work and I had to be there for a week. He was like, here's what I want you to do. I need you to take everything out of this dilapidated falling down barn before it collapses. I mean, it could happen while I'm in there, but I only made $8 an hour. So I was expendable. And so he's going to send me out and I'm going to take everything across into this big mill that's probably going to stand forever. And it's still there. I actually saw it a few years ago. We were driving through there and it's still there. And the animal I'm about to tell you about is still there too. And it's still alive and kind of made me angry, but uh, I was kind of hoping it had gone on. But um, he had these animals I took care of the same week because he was going to be out of town. He had a horse named Jake. He had a donkey named Jenny, which is what a female donkey is, a Jenny. But uh, I was like, really clever there. We could call this horse. Uh, what is the male horse? Is it a mare? Or is that the girl? What's, I don't know anything about horses. We're at a ranch too. This is sad. What's the male? Stallion. Stallion. They should have just called him Stallion instead of Jake. Anyway, so like, <laughs> he wears khakis. Anyway, so Jake's there. And they've got this donkey, Jenny, and a bunch of chickens and stuff. And I'm taking care of this stuff all week. And I'm still trying to get this. I have to feed them once a day, and then I have to bring all this stuff to the barn. So I'm taking drywall. He had like stacks of drywall, and I'm carrying these four by eight sheets, and I'm getting kind of tired of this. Well, as I get all of this stuff moved out of the way, there's an old piano in there, like a really old, like it's an upright piano, not a grand or anything, an upright, but it's intricate carvings look, look like a little lion, right where, you know, like where you lift up the little, again, I don't know nothing about pianos, but where you lift up the little thing where you can reach the keys, you know, it had like two lions, one on each side. I was like, it's pretty cool. These were actually real ivory keys. That's how old this piano was. Like so much ivory on this piano that it went, like right, right across there because of the elephants. Anyway, so... It could have been from a rhino's horn, and I have no idea what a rhino says. Probably just snorts at you or something. Uh, I would just not stick around to find out. So I had to push this piano across there, and this whole little area here, um, I don't know if you can tell this, but this is just dirt out there. And if I had, on this side here, there's actually kind of a hill behind here. See that big hill? 
right behind there. There's a hill behind the mill. Um, there's kind of a, the area's kind of like a little ramp of mud that goes up and there's a door on the other side of the mill that I have to slide open and take this into. So I find this plywood that I'd already taken into the mill. I bring it back and lay it across the ground because if I push that piano across there, even though it has wheels, if I push it across there, it's just gonna sink into the mud. And I'm not gonna be able to get across. So I'm like thinking, I can do this. I just gotta push it uphill a little bit. Things heavy as lead. And I start pushing it. I'm younger. I'm probably stronger than I am now. I don't know. I look like a twig back then. I look like I have a moppy hair now, but I look like an actual mop handle back then. So I'm, I'm pushing this thing and I'm just getting it slowly, slowly. And if you stop or slow down, you lose all the momentum. It starts to try to roll back on me. I have to get braced and everything to get it again. And this donkey, Jenny, who I hate. <laughs> and listen, listen. Love your neighbor, love your enemies. It's all in the Bible. There's nothing about donkeys. Nothing. I've looked. You can show me later. We, we will not divide on, on the little things, but this is a big thing. Nothing about having to love that donkey, all right? I appreciate God's handiwork, but hate her. Anyways, uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding, sort of. Anyways. One time I saw her kick Jake in the face, and I like this this. This horse just backed up while, while Jake is eating grass, just backed up, just hauled off both legs. I can't do both legs at once because you understand I don't have front legs, I'll fall. But took both legs, just crack, and it sounded like bone. And Jake, I cheered, I never cheered on the farm before. Jake came up and hit her with both hooves in the back and oh, 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 up the hill. I'm like, yeah, take that donkey. Anyways. So I'm pushing this piano and the donkey, all of a sudden I look and she's there, like just there staring at me, just like, you notice they look like an upside down bowling pin with ears. That's a, and I'm like, hey, Jenny, go away, Jenny, go away, Jenny. I don't want to stop and everything. And she's just doing this. She never takes her eyes off me. And she starts going, like she's just turning around to kick me. And I'm like, no. No, bad donkey, bad donkey. I'm pushing a little bit more. Her tail gets about right to here. And I reach out, almost dropped the piano and like fell backwards, slapped her on the backside and said, get. And she went, ah, and she just turned back around and faced me again. She's kind of walking with me like this. Slowly, she turns back towards me. And I'm trying to keep it from going off the ends of one of these pieces of plywood because I'm getting as close to the edge as I can to stay away from the donkey. And she's turning around a little bit more. This time, I slap her backside again, and she turns back around, and she's <laughs> like, Lord, please, please help me. No one's going to be able to figure out this crime scene. <laughs> if I get kicked with a donkey, she's not going to stick around. I have hoof prints. I have piano tracks. There's a broken piece of plywood where it rolled over me and forced my body down to it and cracked it in half. Please, don't, don't let my mom find out about this. And I'm newly married as well. I don't want to, like, I just got married. I don't have kids yet. Like, please, please. Donkey turns back around. This time, when I go towards slapping her, I, I hadn't even got my hand, like, out of the sheath, you know, like, to go. <laughs> she goes and kicks both legs. She got around and I waited too long and I went up against that piano and could feel the wind 
behind me, all right? Because, you know, I was like 20 and 20 year olds when they work outside, even if they look like a twig, they think they look cool with no shirt on. So I can feel the wind from the hose, like, and goes back. And as she dropped her legs, I pushed into the piano and kicked her (laughs) as hard as I could in the backside. And that donkey went up over that big hill you see back there. You can't report me now. It's past the statute of limitations for kicking animals. I love animals, by the way. I, ha- I, I, I had some earlier for dinner. And um, <laughs> the donkey went up over the hill. The donkey went up over the hill. And I'm like, oh, oh I got to get this up. And I, I'm like, adrenaline's pumping. I'm actually moving the piano. Yeah, getting that piano up there. And by the way, this is like back when cell phones had to be unfolded before you could use them. So even if I could get to it, I couldn't hold it and get the antenna up and open up the Save by the Bell Zach Morris thing that I had back then. You guys know what that is because they're redoing it all. Everything, they're like, we don't know what to do. What did their parents watch? Let's redo that. <laughs> Fool house, fuller house. They've run out of ideas, people. It wasn't good when it came out the first time. <laughs> Why do it again? Anyways. So we put, we're pushing that piano, we're pushing that piano, uh, we, I'm pushing that piano, I believe the Lord's helping at this point, and I'm getting this up there, and all of a sudden I see that head peering up over top of the hill, like she's about to do something, you know, I don't know if, I can't see her feet, I don't know her feet, this could be happening on the other side like a bull or something, I pull that door open with one hand, I start to push it in, and she starts coming down that hill as fast as she can, only she's zigzagging maybe not to fall over herself or something, but it's. <laughs> and I promise you, if she had a ran straight, I'd be dead now. Her zigzagging helped me out to where when I shut that door with that piano inside and kind of dropped to my knees, oh, I could hear outside of it, just her breathing. And then oh. the rest of the day, after about an hour break that I deserved, I came out the front windows there. I would hop the fence, grab an item, run back over the fence, and then go back around the other side and go on the other side. Got everything else because everything else was pretty light at that point. Did not pick up the plywood off the ground and told my boss that his donkey was possessed. And uh, <laughs> I didn't pick up the plywood. I said, you'd have to let me go. Like, I really am not going back over there with Jenny. All of this could have been avoided. Uh, and I, I really believe almost... All of our problems in life could be avoided. I want you to pretend your problems in life are like that donkey that's trying to kill you. <laughs> whether, it's, whether it's sin, whether it's a temptation, whether it's stuff you've been through, whether it's parents splitting up, whether it's friends stabbing you in the back, whatever it is, all of our problems in life could be avoided if we understood the original purpose and design for us. If everyone did, obviously you could understand it and other people could still hurt you. But if we would just get that we were not made to experience life like this, when God created us, he called it good. When God created people, he said, it is very good. And then we messed it up. And we'll talk about the unraveling tomorrow of how that happened, but we messed it up. Um, In Ephesians 2, verse 10 and you're probably more familiar if you know the Bible very much, you studied or, or memorized verses when you were younger. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are pretty popular, but right after those, and I'll go back and read those in a second. 
It says, for we are God's handiwork. In some translations, it says masterpiece, like that tapestry hanging on a wall. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so many times I've talked to teenagers and they're like, I just don't know what God's purpose is for my life. And maybe not that specific purpose, but right here it says we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, there was a plan about those works way beforehand. Now, those works do not make us right with God. But it's something he has planned for us to do. As a believer, it's not what you do that makes you who you are, but it's who you are. Excuse me, I said that way off from what I wrote down. What you do does not make you who you are. What you do is a reflection of who you are. If you're in Christ, if you're part of that kingdom tapestry, then those things that you do, they're not justifying you before God. They're not like God's like, oh, Nate was good today and Nate helped that guy today. Therefore, now I'm going to give him a little bit more love. He already loves me. But now I'm walking hand in hand with a purpose he has for me. And I'm going to experience unity and the abiding presence of God in a way that I won't experience when I'm not walking with him. God wants us to understand that he made each of us in his image and sin has marred that image. Now, marred is a word we don't use much anymore. I remember, because I read in the King James when I was younger, one of the, that's all we read in church when I was growing up. There was a time where like NIV and ESV and several others say that when Jesus was on the cross, his face was unrecognizable. And in the King James, it had said his visage, which is your countenance, your face, was marred. In other words, there was something about it that wasn't quite what it was before. That's how it is with our sin. Like when we, when we messed up in the Garden of Eden, when humanity decided to opt out of walking with God and opt out of being in a garden where there was a tr- literal tree you could eat from and live forever called the tree of life. And we opted out and went for this tree of death of sorts, this tree of knowledge of good and evil where we're told the penalty was death. When that happened, the image of God didn't go away in you. But there's something about it that's not quite right in you and I. Where when I look at somebody, and if say they don't know Jesus at all, and they're just living for themselves or the world or whatever, I don't necessarily look at them and say, wow, tell me more about the God who made that person. There's something a little bit missing from it. We weren't created to do that. We were created to reflect God's image to other people so that God could be glorified. And that gets messed up somewhere along the way. And when God takes us and weaves us into this kingdom tapestry, we become a part of showing the image of God in its fullness back to the world. So that people will want to be a part of it and say, wow, there's something awesome about that. When that tapestry is being made, and I'll show you guys. Do I have a picture of that in this particular? Yes. Okay. So that's Ethel. I, I don't know. She looks like an Ethel. Okay. Um, she's making this, this kingdom tapestry thing right here, right? She's making this, not really the kingdom tapestry. I don't know what she's making because I don't know any other pictures of this, but this is a smaller version of what they do over in France. This is somebody who's taking a lot of time to take these vertical strings to weave one through the entire thing called the warp and then to add this weft, these, these layers in there as they go, which is basically like what we are to the whole picture of what God's trying to do. And she packs them down really tight. 
and then adds the next part. It might not even be completed by the same person. Somebody comes in and completes the, the vision, completes the design on purpose so that everybody can see it. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, for by grace, that's a gift that you've not deserved and I've not deserved, are we saved through faith. This is not from ourselves or not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's important to have this verse in context before you see verse 10. Because if you just see verse 10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us in advance for us to do. We might get the idea that those works have something to do with that relationship with God, with gaining the relationship with God. But the verses leading up to it say that's not the case. It's his grace that he gave you that saved you. It couldn't be our works or we'd be bragging about it. Like, How'd you come to Jesus? Well, I'm a pretty good dude. Let me tell you about my goodness. Instead of like, let me tell you what Jesus did for me when I didn't deserve it. That while I was still a sinner, he died for me. When we get that, when we understand that, and that he didn't just save us to leave us where we were. I think there's a big misconception sometimes that if I can just come to Jesus and get forgiven outright, eternity's taken care of. Now I can go, and find myself, which is super easy because there's mirrors in every bathroom. But I'm just kidding, it's hard to know. But I can just go figure out what it is I want to do with life and I can, I can do those things instead of, maybe God already had a plan for me from the start that he had prepared for me to do in advance. And when he saves me by his grace, he's like, let me tell you what I've got stacked up for you. One of the things I, I wonder is when I get to heaven, will I find out that there are things, and I think the answer is yes. There are, there are things that God wanted me to partner with him and partner with the rest of the church in to see his glory declared to the earth and to see people come to him that I chose not to partner with. That I chose my way that particular day. Jesus says, take up your cross Anybody know the next word? Before follow me, take up your cross daily. He's not talking about coming to Christ for salvation in that passage. He's talking about what it looks like to live out following Jesus. That I take up my cross daily, deny myself from what I could do, and I follow him. That's the effectiveness when we are walking with him in a way that we'll be able to accomplish those things that he prepared in advance for us to do. I wasn't around when that barn got built. I wasn't around, and I did construction for several years too. I wasn't around to be like, dude, that's probably not the best way to create a foundation. Probably not a good idea. I mean, it probably stood for that homeowner the whole time he had it. By the time my boss owned it, it's leaning like crazy. And that old mill that's over 150 years old is still standing because somebody took the time to make sure that it was around that cornerstone and to make sure everything was right. The building was square and it was solid and it could withstand everything that life threw at it. And when we try to build it ourselves, we try to start a tapestry with no plan 
no design. We don't come up with something beautiful. And God wants you a part of the tapestry that he's making. Because every tribe and tongue is going to be a part of that. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Every type of person you've ever seen, every skin tone, every hair color, all the things that make us beautiful as human beings, it's all there. And all the spiritual gifts he gives us and the talents you have individually and the good works he's prepared in advance for us to do that we actually do partner with him sometimes when we actually you know, take up our cross that day, deny ourselves, they all get weaved in there. And I believe the ones that I don't partner with him in, he just, that blessing falls on somebody else because God's still gonna accomplish his purposes no matter whether I partner or not. And it becomes a beautiful thing. I hope this weekend, if you'd say, you know, I'm not a part of that tapestry. If, is that what you're saying, Nate? If I'm not, if I haven't, you know, come to Christ, I haven't committed my life to him, repented of my sins, so forth, I'm not part of that yet. That is the case. But God wants you. He loves you. Just finding out that you're his masterpiece or you're his handiwork should give you some sense of value, but I didn't tell you what you were worth. I can tell you how valuable a particular tapestry is or a masterpiece or a Star Wars figure from 1977 that's unopened. I can tell you those things because determined by what somebody will pay for it. And if somebody's actually paid for is the price that has been paid for you. That was the life of Jesus Christ. The king of the universe. The son of God. He considered you worth himself to die for you. And I think that's pretty awesome. If he thinks that much of you, you might want to look into who he is. Because he's not some, I know my aunt used to send like a random box at Christmas of stuff she got at yard sales that weren't wrapped, no tags, nothing. One year it was like a, some stuffed Mickey and a stuffed this and a stuffed that. It just looked like somebody had, had accidentally sent it to us instead of Goodwill. Stains on it and everything. God didn't, God didn't give you a gift like that. And I'm not downing my Aunt Gwen. I'm just downing her presence, all right? She's a sweet lady. But God doesn't give you something like, he doesn't give you leftovers. He gave you the best. He gave you himself. He didn't create some perfect sacrificial lamb so we could have the best sheep ever created to pay for our sins. He said, I'll be that lamb. That's what he did for us because he sees that kingdom tapestry that he's weaving as the grand designer behind it all, as the architect of your soul. He sees that as a beautiful thing called the church. And I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people, his hands and feet, his body, he calls it, in the world. So when that picture is seen, and it's all of us working together, what's on that picture is Jesus. We're declaring him to those who have not found him yet. Let me pray for you guys. And we're going to, um, I'm going to bring in a tapestry tomorrow and some other stuff. And we're going we're gonna to have some fun together. We're going to learn together. We're going to look at scripture together. And my hope is 
that wherever you are spiritually right now, that you'll take it a little bit deeper. And if you've got questions, um, you can go to your youth leaders. We have some small group times set aside for you. You can go to them. You can ask them these questions. I'll be around. You'll see me quite a bit. Feel free to come up and ask me something too, okay? I don't know everything, first of all. So don't think, oh, I've always wondered this, and now it's finally time. I'm not some guru of knowledge. I'm a Christ follower who's learning and tripping and stumbling forward and asking for forgiveness on a daily basis and picking up my cross and following him again, just like the rest of us. We won't arrive until we arrive in heaven. All right? But I'd love to be there and and maybe have those conversations with you as well. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for these guys and girls, for the leaders who've taken a weekend out of their busy schedule, out of their families, Lord, to come be with their church family, with these students. God, there's a sense of family that we can have among the youth group that we came with and among the youth group that is in a different state because of that connecting thread of Jesus that weaves through the church. Lord, I pray this week that students would get real about you, come to you for the first time maybe, have deep conversations about what you're doing in their life. Lord, standing in the back a little while ago, I saw glow sticks pop up for all kinds of questions. But the where's God question was almost universal with all of us. Almost every glow stick went up. That we've had those moments where we wonder where you are. And Lord, I know that breaks your heart because you've been in the same place all the time. And it's we who walk further away. It makes us harder to see where you are and what you're doing. I pray that we would get real with you this week, that we'd be able to sense your presence, that we'd be able to look into your word and see your marching orders of where you want us to go and what you want us to do and who you want us to help and how you want us to love. So the people that you died for can see Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.